Hello and welcome to the Over the Barricade Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Downing, joined as always by my tag team partner. I'm just not working on like things to say today. This is not a good way to start a podcast. It's the deadliest catch, Lee Brando. Lee Brand. There you go. Hi, how's it going? That was really bad. Let me do it again. <laughs> Put that cigarette out. <laughs> we just watched the '92 Royal Rumble. I'm Snapchatting. <laughs> not, not well. If, by the way, if you're listening to us because you you listened to us last week because of the Big Mike Scott interview, which thanks again to Big Mike Scott for great interview for coming you on should the show. Listen to that again; it was really fun. If if you have to choose between listening to that or listening to this week, I almost suggest go back and listen to that. Listen we're, to both. We're not at our best tonight. We're a little tired. We are very tired. We've been burning the podcast slash life candle at both ends. You got to be close to your mic. Is this close enough? Probably. <laughs> People won't get that it's funny because they can't see. <laughs> Anyway, I've elected to, um... Oh, hold on, hold on. Sit in a different chair. I said, put that cigarette out and said that we were watching the 92 Rumble and then didn't follow up on what <laughs> that had to do with that's anything. That's all they need to know, Ryan. For, you wanted to watch the 92 Rumble because it has Bobby Heenan on it. And it has Bobby Heenan commentating Ric Flair, who's his guy, much like uh, Kenny Omega is Cyrus's guy in new japan currently that kind of dynamic and you know he he commentates and and then obviously rick flair wins it's been 25 years it's pretty fair to flair it's pretty fair to flair and um you know there's a post-match interview with mean gene oakland interviewing rick flair bobby heenan mr perfect if you're listening to us you've probably seen it because wwe has played it to death but it is one of the coolest moments in wwe history it's it's the one where flair goes with a tear in my eye this is the greatest day of my life and then right after he says that mean gene is about to ask him another question. He's and, mid. He's mid sentence, and he looks off camera, and you just see his eyes go directly to somebody who, and he goes. His facial expression totally changes from happy to anger, and just very suddenly goes. You put that cigarette out, and he he, immediately, he extends his hand and points and says, "You put that cigarette out," and he goes right back into the interview while staring at this person who's off camera. Mean Gene has maybe the greatest collection of interview mishaps, not on, like, really mistakes so much as he just randomly does something. He did have the one time the SummerSlam sign fell on him. <laughs> mean Gene. It's great, you know. I heard that um, when they went to WCW, they kind of stuck with each other. Bobby Heenan and, and Mean Gene Oakland, they kind of only talked to each other and stayed secluded from everyone else so it's kind of sad but i mean we got these great moments let's talk about something happier how about that how about uh well i mean the 92 rumble was actually not bad it's actually great it's a good rumble for its era yeah awful number 30 choice but again i don't think they i've already forgotten who was number 30 it was warlord oh yeah that's right (laughs) it was a warlord i don't know if it was the warlord um but uh Hercules Cortez was in that match. <laughs> Hercules Hernandez. <laughs> um 
No, but uh, I don't think back then they cared like the 30. They didn't, they weren't trying to get that 30 surprise pop. And I agree with that. I don't like the 30 surprise pop because now all you're expecting is somebody at the 30 slot. If they didn't do it, the problem that WWE had is they did it like five or six years in a row. Right. And it conditioned the fans to expect a big Should pop. Should have never done that. And what it has done is it has made number 30 disappointing. Yeah. Uh, whenever it's not a big moment. Because you look at... And you don't want to overload with 30 winners. Well, and you look at it, you had The Undertaker in 2007. You had John Cena in 2008. Um, you had... A th- Who was 2009? I don't Batista? Even, I, I think so. Um, I think you're right. I think it was Batista. 2010 was Edge. And then you transitioned into um, Alberto Del Rio and Jack Swagger and... That kind of era, Seamus, yeah. uh, that era. But at that point, everyone's already conditioned that number 30 is going to be important. And then, of course, the biggest, obviously, the biggest moment of uh, recent memory where that backfired. Oh, huge backfire. Was that 2014? Um, right w- before... Uh, 2013? WrestleMania 30, right? Or was it 31? It was 30. It was 30. It was 30. I, 30. I can't remember the year. I only remember it was... Because it ended up being that the uh, everybody wanted Daniel Bryan to win, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he came out before number 30, and... Um, no, he didn't come in at all. Oh, yeah, that's right, you're right. He you're wasn't right. in the Rumble at all. He you're had right. wrestled he Bray Wyatt and I think, the opener of the pay-per-view. He wasn't in the Royal Rumble at all, and people assumed at that point, because it got to number 30, he hadn't come in, and he was there... One of their hottest, if not their hottest draw. He wasn't announced for it. Everyone just thought WWE is going to do the right thing and put him in. And 29 guys came and went. And number 30 was the only possible left. And the clock counts down to zero. And out comes babyface Rey Mysterio. Fan favorite Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio. To a cacophony of booze. Rey Mysterio, who to our recollection during his WWE run has been booed all of two times (laughs) in his entire WWE run. And that was the second. Yes. And the first was just a a hometown thing. Yes, he got got booed at Survivor Series 2009 uh, because they had just turned Batista heel. Um, after a long run as a babyface, they had just turned Batista heel, and his first program as a heel was going to be against Rey Mysterio, and I know he got booed live because I was in the crowd when it happened. <laughs> they decided they were going to turn Batista heel, and clearly they didn't consider the dynamics of where they were going. Nope. Because the Survivor Series that year, which was his first pay-per-view as a heel, was in D.C. His hometown. <laughs> and... Naturally, Rey Mysterio still got a decent pop, but there were definite boos. And, and it was I believe he was struck with a steel chair. Yes, he was stuck struck with a steel chair and then in something that I was surprised at the moment to hear, the fans started chanting all around me one more time. And it's not like DC is a smarky town because I was at SummerSlam 05 which was headlined by Michaels versus Hogan. Which is one of the greatest matches of all time. One in of the best selling jobs of all time. <laughs> and and we'll, we'll tie back into that later because perhaps Cena was emulating that a little bit this past Sunday at No Mercy. But anyway SummerSlam 2005 I was in the crowd and I was one of the only people at 
11 years old, that 10 years old, that was chanting for Shawn Michaels. Most of the people were in full support of Hogan. So not a smarky crowd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, DC has tried to become a smarky crowd. It's tried. It, it, it's, Here's the problem. It's about half smart and, at this point. Here's the problem. It's incredibly hard to put on a wrestling show in DC. The licensing, the basically regulation of it through the DC Athletic Commission makes it very expensive, not only for performers to get licensed, but it makes it incredibly expensive and difficult for a promoter to put on a show. They have to prove a certain number of capital before they can put on the show. They have to follow stricter... Uh, safety precautions there's less that they can do and they can't promote it at all until they've checked off all these boxes so before they even get a pulse on how well the show is going to do they've got to jump through so many hoops that it's just not worth it to anybody really i can't think of any promoters that run regularly in washington dc besides wwe that's because they really don't and for I was always wondering why DC didn't really have much in the way of independent wrestling. Now, granted, the DC metropolitan area uh, is very large yep. and pretty much merges or intersects with the Baltimore metropolitan area. So there are shows outside of DC all the time. I know there's a handful of shows in the area in the next month that are coming through, yep. um, which, you know, some are going to be in Northern Virginia, some are going to be in Maryland. Yeah, you get West Virginia, Northern Virginia, Baltimore, uh, Philadelphia, Jersey's not too far. It's a circle around D.C., but nobody will actually run in D.C., and I think that hurts uh, any chance of it becoming a overly smarky crowd. Well, I can tell you the overly smarky crowd largely are those are the people that also go to things like MCW. Right. Um, guys who go, you know, fans who go out to... MCW all the way up in Joppa, fans who make the effort to go to, um, I don't know what, I, I guess I can name any promotion I want on this show. You can? Um, things People who go to shows like BCW, Baltimore Championship Wrestling, Fight Pro, uh, ACW, obviously, if they happen to be so inclined. ACW pulls from odd places, though, from what I've found, which is not a bad thing. ACW, because they, they run shows in Denton, they ran a show in Hagerstown not too long ago, and having, having been to multiple ACW shows now, um, hint, hint, uh, <laughs> having been to multiple ACW shows at this point, I have seen a lot of the same people that attend no matter where they show up, yeah. which is impressive because they attend on the Maryland Eastern Shore, they've been up in what would be considered Western Maryland. It's... um. It's a pretty impressive group of fans. There's probably, I would say, between five and ten fans that follow indie wrestling in the area um, loyally. And whether I'm wrestling for uh, companies in Delaware or Maryland, it, and to a certain extent... Uh, no, Delaware and Maryland, I would say. They have... These, like, five to ten people come to every show. So that's really cool. Um, well, I, and now they're becoming 
some of them are becoming like uh, Robbie Blizzard with I the Hall of Visions. I was just about to mention him. Kind of bleeding over into the the show. He's not just a fan anymore. Yeah, the Valhalla Vision title, which is the sickest title. It's that a really I've seen. cool title, Bill. I, you uh, should go look it up. It's uh, it was claimed at rampage pro wrestling recently it was it actually i saw it i didn't know this was going to happen i don't Me know how either many people until t- i got there i don't know how many people did but um it's a really cool looking belt and i always see robbie blizzard at every show i've been to every indie show i've been to i see him he's and i know very, he he's one of those like really great fans um somebody he gets it you know well, he does. He's respectful. He has a passion for it. Yeah, he absolutely does, and you see it. Um, I follow the the Valhalla Visions Facebook page, mm-hmm. and they do a really nice job of getting coverage for the for the talent, uh, getting some photos out when they can. They'll do some videos. They'll. He's been dubbed the indie hard cam, so. <laughs> That's true, though. It's really, really true. Now that I think about it, it is perfect because he's the guy you do want to pay. You you do want to kind of work towards. Be- I'm not gonna lie. I've there's actually one match. <laughs> you can find it on YouTube. It's uh, Lee Brando versus Corey Castle. It took place at 302 Pro Wrestling probably a year ago ish. And you see me at one point pick Corey Castle up for an F5, and I turn around to squarely look Robbie Blizzard in the eye and perform the F5 as if I was performing it to the hard cam. And um, what I got for that was a really cool, like, slow-mo video taken from Robbie, uh, or by Robbie, of that F5, and it looked sweet. Taken from Robbie. You, you, you then went into the crowd and robbed him. I did. I robbed Robbie Blizzard. Of his... Of his- recording device in phone a cold way camera yeah yes very very poorly done poorly anyway, done by you um so what's going on what's going on in the world of wrestling um well new japan is gearing up for king of pro wrestling yeah uh which is kind of their last big tournament of the year for the singles wrestlers mm-hmm. uh it's not not necessarily a tournament like um like the, it's not uh, like G one. Not G one. It's not best, best of super, super juniors. Junior. Nothing of it's that. It's not like that same item. It's just kind of their last big singles event of the year, and then they spend a couple months kind of recuperating. The singles wrestlers do. Uh, you know, this is the closest thing New Japan has to an off season. Yeah, after King of Pro Wrestling, they slow down. The uh, World Tag League is the last big mm-hmm. event they have the rest of the year. That's normally around uh, late November, early December, if I remember right. Um, and that's when it's all, it's a lot of tag team wrestling. If you watch New Japan, they do a lot of tag team wrestling, but they use it in such a way that it's not always just full-time tag teams. Sometimes you'll throw together a tag match just to make sure that Okada and Ishii and all of these guys get on the card. And at the same time, they don't have to do all, they don't have to go all out for 20, 30 minutes or in Okada's case, 45, 50 minutes every night they can quote unquote take it easy and not push themselves as hard uh, by just going more in short bursts things like the world tag league helped shine a little bit of a light on their tag team division which i know in new japan is not the best at the moment new japan it seems like most places are struggling a bit on their tag team scene 
Yeah, tag team wrestling has been in a decline for like 25 years, basically. And with this with isn't... obvious flashes and people who defy the rules, think people yes, people like the Hardys, uh, Edge and Christian. Which uh, when you look at you know ooh, yeah that is getting close to twenty years ago now. Yeah. Um, when you look at what it was twenty years ago, there was a resurgence in tag team wrestling, and yeah. and There's I believe that, that was have... the point you were trying to make. Well, basically, people have tag teams have come. And been very entertain. I'm not saying it's been in a decline from an entertainment standpoint, sure. or from a quality standpoint, or anything like that. It's been in a decline from a drawing standpoint. Mm-hmm. Whereas you could never have the tag team championship program in the WWE be the main event of a major pay per view, or think about like if there was a tag team championship match at the end of a WrestleMania. Never happen. It never happened. It, it, it's more likely we'd get a women's match there before a tag team match. Which, remember, the the main event of WrestleMania one was a tag team match. Was a tag team match. Now, granted, that had Mr. T in it, and Hogan and Piper and Holly was at ringside. Paul Orndorff. And, and, yeah, Paul Orndorff. But um, Cowboy Bob Orton interfered. But um, the point is, you. Back in the day, you could sell out with Rock and Roll Express. You know, you could sell out a place with them on the card, and that's why you would sell it out. You know, so tag team wrestling has never been at the forefront, but I don't think it's anywhere near where it was. But it, I mean, that's not to say it couldn't come back. Well, and if you think about it, it couldn't couldn't get bigger. World class championship wrestling in Texas so, built basically the entire peak of their promotion was tag team wrestling yeah was the von erics and the freebirds and all the possibilities that that affords you um i don't know why it's never been the chosen style maybe it's a monetary thing maybe it's cheaper to pay one guy than two guys and that's why it's been this way um i'm not sure how much of this has to do with the conditioning that wwe has done that especially in the last 20 years since that resurgence in the late 90s and early 2000s since the TLC matches and uh, since that kind of era has come and gone how much of it is all right well we know tag teams aren't going to last very long and we know that one of these two guys is going to get a push I think because it's that but it's in, kind in of a the, backwards way to in a way it's kind of always been that way to a degree, I mean, a lot of times when you put it, when you have a younger tag team, especially, you know that if one of them starts to break out, they probably break them up and push the guy who's doing better, and you know, kind of figure out how to go from there. But when you look at, there are no, there are no full time tag teams for the most part anymore. Now in the indies, there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, in New Japan, there are, and I mean, obviously, the Young Bucks, I don't think, are ever going to go solo. Well, that was going to be my new point. My new, or my next point. My next point was going to be the only tag team that I could see headlining, selling out a place, being the marquee match on a big show, would be the Young Bucks. I don't know who you put them against. The New Day. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. See, because you could, but you would have to let both sides just let loose. That would be smart heaven, by the way. Because the New Day is one of the few... WWE, I, 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 WWE creations in air quotes because it's a lot of the performers. It's a lot of 
Woods and Biggie and Kofi. And what could they do? Doing themselves, if, but if the harness was taken off, you know, if the safety was taken off, what could those three do or say? You know, I I mean, it's not to say that the match would be bad. The, the Usos would have a great match with the Young Bucks. The New Day would have a great match with the Young Bucks. The Revival would have a great match for the Young Bucks. <laughs> the Revival <laughs> would have a great, great match with the Young Bucks. But would that be marquee? Or would you have to do something like Young Bucks versus two big single stars? Um, for instance... Rollins and Ambrose? What could happen in a year or two? Young Bucks versus... Danielson and Punk. Ooh. Ooh. That would sell out something. Mm. You could you could do your now, uh, how much Wembley that, Arena there. Now, how much of that would be Punk returning? Well, you would have that, but you'd have him in a tag, and you'd run that dynamic, and I think it'd be safer for Brian Danielson, um, neck-wise, head-wise, um, and it would be a super... It would be the indie wet dream, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes. Yes, it would be. But that's that's all I think. Speaking of the Young Bucks, um, we had an invasion a la the Attitude Era. Except for this invasion was not televised. It was not televised, but it was on YouTube, which is pretty complicated. It was on YouTube point. and social media. It was all over social media. And here's the thing. B, by the way, hashtag BC Invasion actually trended. Yeah, it trended on Twitter, which I'm I I don't I hesitate to say I'm surprised. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I watched the video very shortly after the newest episode of Being the Elite is what I'm referring to. I watched it very shortly after it was released, and it already had a couple hundred thousand views. So it's pretty pretty big out there. But um, what I wanted to point out is like I know that it's been uh, I don't know what. I know that it's become something of legend and a myth almost around when DX invaded um, WCW back in the 90s. It, sure. That moment, though it was cool and entertaining as anything. Um, WWE has played that up quite a bit. They've played it up well beyond what its actual importance was. It wasn't like they did that and then immediately the next week WWE was winning the Monday Night War. No, not by a long shot. Um, and it really wasn't that like crazy. Like it was just more annoying to the WCW than anything, and they didn't really pay any attention to it. Well, and the WCW guys have, especially Hall and Nash have come out and said that, yeah, we didn't know they were coming. Didn't we would have let them on. in. Yeah, we would have <laughs> let them in. And um, that would have been WCW's style to let them in. Now, WWE is the opposite, especially nowadays. They, though some people thought would have a good sense of humor about this, did not. <laughs> they, they, they were really PO'd. Um, Especially, I think the thing that set them off, and I've heard this from others, I think the thing that really set them off is the uh, kind of oh reveal that WWE was giving out tickets for free, papering the show because it was on TV. Mm-hmm. I don't think they liked that. Probably not. Um, they, uh, it, the... Bullet Club Invasion was two parts. Um, one, the they it was very much a 
a homage to what DX did in the 90s. Oh, very much. Like, it, it was almost dead on. Some they of the same even, bits. They mentioned some of this. They almost directly mentioned it. They did directly mention it did. once or twice. And they clearly had some of the same shots. The, yeah. the bit where they're all lined up. Um, and uh, I believe it was Marty Skrull walks in and starts, like, being Triple H yeah. in that moment. And um, But they also I tied it Matt, into the think, ongoing lore that's happening in being the Elite series, which was a nice touch. Right, yeah. Being the Elite, if you haven't watched it, which if you're listening to us, you probably have. But if you haven't watched it, basically, I, I think it originally was supposed to just be, like, vlogs. Uh, yeah, it was supposed to, it was be, supposed to be, like... like Video from the roads, road diaries, basically. yeah, I, with the young bucks and Kenny Omega, and it's div- it's kind of I almost said devolved. Um, <laughs> you could say that. You could say that. It or has you could evolved, say evolved into its own narrative where it's following the Bullet Club around, and now Cody Rhodes is obviously in the Bullet Club. You actually see Cody Rhodes more than Kenny Omega, and it's this yeah. whole bit of like the, the Bullet Club is being attacked, uh, both within. And outside from the WWE stooge, because the Young Bucks have actually been given cease and desist orders from the well, WWE, okay, which so they factored here's, it in. Here's the funny, I, I, ironic part. So, Cody Rhodes was never told outright that he couldn't use the Rhodes name outside of WWE. When it came time to start negotiating with ring of honor and other companies there was those companies that he was negotiating with said hey this potentially could be a problem of course the Rhodes name goes back before the wwe obviously we know the history with dusty and everything so instead of going down that path and seeing where it led cody just said fine we'll just chop the last name off i'll just go by cody uh they were never given a cease and desist letter to Stop saying suck it or doing the DX hand gesture or doing the click sign or any of that until until what happened was they were given a cease and desist letter from the creators of Rick and Morty because uh, this is the Young Bucks because they had a T-shirt that was parodying using the same lettering and everything like that of Rick and Morty mm-hmm. that led them to create the storyline where they were getting all these things um they were getting all these stop doing this and it's been funny in the being the elite series because they'll go to say suck it or too sweet and it'll bleep them out yeah um almost as if they have no control over being bleeped on their own show um so that's that was the storyline and at the beginning of this most recent Being the Elite episode, they're referencing it. You know, they're like, we're going to go in there. We're going to charge in there. We're going to invade Raw. We're going to get our friends back. You know, we're going to get our catchphrases back. Cody goes, I'm going to get my last name back. Marty Scroll says, I'm going to get my umbrella back. That's another part of the storyline that they sent Marty Scroll a cease and desist on using the umbrella because Jack Gallagher was using it in 205 Live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Basically, it was all fictitious until they did the invasion and made enough people in WWE mad, and now they do have a bona fide 
real, legit cease and desist letter from WWE telling them that they cannot, I believe it's specifically the click hand gesture, the too sweet hand gesture made famous by Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Correct. And other members of the click. Um, now, this is a tricky scenario because WWE didn't trademark that hand gesture until 2015. Correct. When they brought in Finn Balor, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, um, AJ Styles. And clearly those guys were using that Clearly they were using it. Um, The Young Bucks have been using it as far back as 2013. But WWE does own WCW where it was used on television way back in the 90s. So it's a very tricky situation. And if you... Think about it. Yeah, probably if they go to court over it, the Young Bucks would win. But it would take so long and it would take so much money that basically it wouldn't be worth it. Right. So, and that's kind of the WWE style anyway. Um, which, hey, it's a business strategy. What are you going to do? But so it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. I know on Twitter, the Young Bucks have been very upset because it is kind of like you're. You're raining on their parade. You're you're literally preventing them from making the money that they would make, um, and it doesn't really hurt you in any way. I get I get that argument. Um, well, WWE's being a corporation, which is what they are. They are, and they're doing what corporations do, and that is, you will not make money off our property without giving us money. True, and and I can see where, justifiably so. If you start putting all over the internet that WWE isn't selling tickets, well, if word gets back to the shareholders, it's not going to be so. It's not going to be a good day at work for Vince McMahon and WWE management and the board. So, I see all sides of this. Mm-hmm. Um, where it goes from here, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if the Bullet Club or, or the Young Bucks back off. I. I don't. I could you ever see them working in WWE? I don't know. They've been so anti that they seem like they are not interested. They're actually probably making more money and getting more exposure by not working in WWE. Oh, it's like if they would have joined the WWE a couple of years ago, they would have had none of this success. I'm sure the WWE would have misused them. Uh, maybe not as bad as they were used in TNA as Generation Me, but they they would have not had this. Now, bear success. in mind. Bear in mind. Uh, Matt Jackson did actually wrestle in WWE at one point as an enhancement talent. Yeah. Um, so he, he was there momentarily. Um, and then I think the TNA deal came up and they went to do that. And that didn't work the way they wanted it to. And they went on the indie scene and have torn it up ever since. So it, the Young Bucks in a lot of ways are kind of a walking, a walking, talking, merch selling contradiction and parody of the wrestling business which is why certainly certain, certain guys like jim Cornette, not the biggest fan no um not of their style and certainly not of i think how they go about treating how they they act within the business um and you could put that to with all love and respect to jim Cornette, the older generation wagging their finger at the younger generation um, which you see that quite a lot, but it's nothing new. But at the same time, he he has some points. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Their style is not conducive to being long term. 
It's not, and they're, also they're not necessarily exposing the business because it's already exposed. But they are poking fun at things that maybe some people think you should give a pass to, and they are not short of their critics. There are WWE fans that think that the Young Bucks are the worst people in the world, both from a wrestling and personal standpoint. Yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily agree. I The alternative is wonderful to have. And real quick, before we go too far, this wrestling uh, WrestlingInc.com article that talks about the too sweet hand gesture and everything, just so we're clear, they mentioned Comedy Central's Rick and Morty, and that is inaccurate, and I must point this out as a it's, fan of uh, Rick and Morty. It's Adult, Adult Swim. Swims, yeah. It is Adult Swim's Rick and Morty, it's Adult Swim. which airs on Cartoon Network. So I was right, and what you're saying is I was more correct than Wrestling Inc. Yes. Thank you. <clears throat> um, oh, also, the Young Bucks are not allowed to say uh, F the Revival anymore. Oh, yeah, that that's, that's a thing. Uh, Forever the Revival was a thing for about half a second, and then... Another injury befell that tag team, Yep. Um, which that could have been really funny. And I think if the injury hadn't happened, WWE might have let it go just because that would have been good. The revival probably gained from that. Oh, yeah. But at the moment, they don't. WWE is willing to do anything as long as there's gain. That's why they're allowed to or they're allowing Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy to tease the whole delete thing. But they won't go through with it because... Maybe maybe that would cost them more than it would make. Right. Rick and Morty Comedy Central. Um, anyways, the... Um, Pretty... Uh, while we're talking about legal issues, uh, have you heard of the, the ongoing uh, separation between Bray Wyatt and his wife? There's a, a new, uh, new chapter to that story this week. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, they're 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 getting separated. They're divorcing, and um, the wife. I don't normally look into these sort of things. Or ex-wife, I should separated wife, estranged wife, whatever the correct term is. I'm not exactly sure, but she is basically uh, through legal means getting WWE to release all of Bray Wyatt's. Uh, basically contracts, pay records, um, and stuff like that so that she can know what he's worth and, you know, divorce, and you know how that goes. So we may be getting a closer look into what a modern WWE contract looks like, which uh, is always interesting to me. It's it's interesting to me the um, the clauses that they can terminate a contract over. There's like, I don't know, 12 clauses and 11 of them are like, you know, you disre- you disrepresent the brand in a public light or you're caught with, you know, drugs or you get a felony or this, that, and the third. And then the 12th one is, or for any reason at all. It's to, the elastic clause. To, to which Kevin Nash replied, why have 11 other clauses? <laughs> because the elastic clause is in just about every contract. Um, the only reason I know it is because, and you're probably going to laugh at this, I went to a Catholic high school and we had to 
uh, there was a list of rules, and it was almost like a contract that we didn't have a choice in. We signed it by going to the school, mm. and there was the elastic clause basically saying that a teacher could could dole out punishment for whatever they saw fit if it wasn't already mentioned. <laughs> so, yeah, oh, that my. was a thing. Yeah. So, um, at, not exactly where I thought you were going when you brought up the Bray Wyatt divorce, but I did. I pulled up a, a story on it, and yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, there's these things where... Um, there are things where the documents requested were things like tax returns, financial statements, loan applications, real estate, fictitious names, which <laughs> I find hilarious. Year of Worlds, next. A oh, god. Next. <laughs> the the deceiver, new face of fear. Next. <laughs> uh, also, fringe benefits, uh, employment records, safe deposit boxes. Uh, disability pension, which he works for WWE. We know that's probably not a thing. <laughs> oh, Ouch! Yep. It's true. It's it's true. Um, also, on that Bullet Club invasion, to- Cody Rhodes, uh, Cody was not carrying the ROH title. He was carrying a Bullet Club title belt. Huh? That maybe from a distance trouble. looks a little like the ROH title but clearly is not. Is he redoing the ROH title now that he's uh signed an exclusive contract with Ring of Honor? That also came out. He uh Cody is exclusively Ring of Honor property, which means he will continue to show up in Japan. Yeah. He uh, jumped around for a good year. And it just because you're exclusive property does for ROH doesn't mean you can't do other bookings. Right. It's not like what that exclusive means, to WWE. What right? that means is he had he had an agreement in place and now he has a contract in place. Mm-hmm. And specifically, that just means he has more terms to the deal itself. He can't do certain bookings he was doing before, but we know Ring of Honor talent can go do other shows. Um, we know that... Pretty much as long as it doesn't directly contradict to any of your Ring of Honor commitments or New Japan commitments because they're in a partnership, you're you're pretty good to do whatever. Yeah, um, we're, like... For Adam, uh, Adam Page, Hangman Page, Marty Skrull, and Cody of the Bullet Club are all in Ring of Honor. They have Ring of Honor contracts. The Young Bucks are actually New Japan contracts. Um, but they are pretty much a talent to both. Yeah. I mean, and that's not uncommon. Uh, we Death Before Dishonor actually had um, Suzuki from New Japan competing against Cody for the Ring of Honor Championship, much like over the summer... During the G1 special, it was Cody as Ring of Honor champion challenging Okada for the New Japan uh, IWGP championship. Yeah. So. A lot of cross promotion. There's a lot of cross promotion. It's actually probably the best relationship for both sides in all of in all of professional wrestling at this point. Because you look at, nobody's losing in this battle right now. Everybody's getting a lot of chance to get exposure everywhere. So you're getting... The guy, somebody who was watching Ring of Honor three or four years ago, who might still be watching it now, is probably watching New Japan. Yeah. And vice versa. Now, granted, a lot of those people are the same people anyways. So, but you're able to see guys get a chance to do, to go across both. And guys, maybe Western guys who are in Japan, like Michael Elgin, are able to come over and do a lot of ROH stuff. Is he Ring of Honor or New Japan? Because I think he does all of his, I think he's New Japan. I think he's... New Japan, because I feel like I haven't seen him in Ring of Honor in a little bit. Right. So you had a guy like him be able to do that. You had 
before we, we know our stuff here on the Over the Barricade podcast. Allegedly. Uh, do you, uh, since we've been talking about New Japan and the Bullet Club, I think we have uh, plenty of non-WWE product. We basically kind of have to talk about No Mercy at least a little bit. Oh yeah, we can, we can go through it. We I'm... don't need to go match by match, uh, at least in great detail. We can, we can kind of cover what happened without breaking down everything. But we can just say that uh, raw ratings were down, especially in the third hour, which um, doesn't bode well for the cruiserweights. Doesn't bode well for the cruiserweights. But then again, I don't think anyone was, was expecting the type of angle that they did, because I know that once they started the angle, a lot of interest went back in. It was just too late. Yeah, they they should have promoted that a little bit better. I think definitely. I feel not like... just like a regular old celebration because that's not really what it was. Uh, SmackDown ratings did did well, slightly ticked up, uh, and that's against a lot of uh, network television premieres. It's kind of the beginning of uh, yes, the fall season fall has season. is underway. You, normally, the fall season used to start right around Labor Day, and in some cases, it does. But the fall season now starts around the beginning of October, end of September, but. Network television shows are not as strict to it as they used to be. So we have things like The Orville, uh, which is Fox's new show with Seth MacFarlane. That aired started airing a couple of weeks ago. Um, we know that basically network television is trying to kind of cut in and jump in at the same time as things like HBO and Showtime are dropping their big shows. Uh, I know Curb Your Enthusiasm is coming back on HBO starting uh, next week, this coming Sunday. So... They're trying to kind of time out with what the other networks are doing. And they're also, everyone's launching a streaming service. And what it's going to become is you're going to buy five different streaming services to get the things you want to see. And then you're going to be paying as basically as much as a cable package. And you're going to have even less than what you had with a cable package. Of course. Well, that's the genius of it. Because now these people, these services don't have to go through the cable services and make less money. They can make more money directly by saying, you get to pick a la carte. Although, if you think about it, most people only watch about 10 channels anyways. That's true. And the only thing that they really can't combat, because it is kind of cost... um not uh, It's not very profitable to do a live service with your streaming uh it's a, it's harder to do that and I that's the only thing that people would watch tv for um in real time i will say uh live sporting events are the biggest uh ratings drawers as far as live events go uh beyond that it's things like the oscars and the emmys that the sort of award shows olympics sometimes sometimes the olympics I, it just it part of that depends but uh, that, that falls into the live sporting category true um tonight because we're just promoting everybody up in here. Amazon is playing Thursday Night Football for the first time. Amazon bought the rights to stream tonight's Thursday Night Football game. What a time to get in on it, Amazon. (laughs) Well, no. Think about it, though. If Amazon can do successfully... Now, Twitter has has already been dabbling in this for the last couple of years. Didn't they do a Facebook game? Facebook Live. Last uh, year. Uh, they did not do a football game, Facebook Live. They have been doing other sports, though. I know um, there was a Champions League soccer game, uh, UEFA European Champions League game, which was on Facebook Live a couple of days ago. And it was like Barcelona or Real Madrid was in it, which is big. They're big clubs. So uh, we're getting more and more of these live events that are going to these online services. If that happens, if Amazon, which the owner of Amazon is now the richest person in the Flipping world. Yep. Um, 
if they decide, well, we want to bid for the NFL, they would be able to outbid all of the networks for it. And if you're an advertiser, would you rather advertise on Fox or CBS or ABC or NBC? Or would you rather Amazon Amazon, uh, do your advertising on Amazon where Amazon can put a nifty little button up and you can click on whatever the advertisement is and go right to it? Yeah. So it's an extra level of connection, and you know it's headed that direction at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly going to change everything because all the models that we're currently running on are they kind of feel outdated they are outdated they are outdated and when when we make this switch everything changes uh budgets of shows actors pay uh you know like you're not i don't know if you're gonna have i mean maybe you will have these you know season long or multi-season long contracts like you have with uh under armor uh, is coming into the NFL. It used to be, uh, what, Reebok that did Well, everything. Under Armour's not coming into the NFL. Under Armour's going after individual players. Nike has a contract with the Nike's NFL. Got a con- Nike, Pepsi's got a contract. Nike the is, the sole, is the sole apparel provider for the NFL, so they do all the uniforms. Um, but, you know, the players can wear their own shoes, and the, uh, so long as they're the right color. Right. The players can wear their own shoes and their own, like, armbands and things like that, and that's where Under Armour comes in. Basketball players are the same way. Basketball players have always been a lot more lucrative in that sense. But you all, there's the official everything. Yeah. There's the official something for every league. Uh, Pepsi is like the official soft, the official soda. But does that change things when you when you go away from the television model to the streaming model? Does that shake everything up, or do you have? Because I don't think it's going to be a one to one comparison. Certainly, you're not going to have commercials i mean or maybe you will i don't know well you would have you would continue to have commercials as cuz you look at things even so you look at what the wwe is doing right now and you watch wwe pay-per-view there are commercials most of the time it's for wwe product but we get kfc commercials little caesars commercials woo tangy woo tangy um <laughs> Botchmania episode 351. That's what we're referring to. It's really good. Um, <laughs> but you get those type... Cricket Wireless. Yeah, You know, sure. I, I'm just mentioning them because they're the ones that are coming to mind. But those sort of... You see those advertisements during WWE pay-per-views. And that's from a model that used to come... You were paying for it. You wouldn't see an advertisement. Yeah. Now, with the network model, they have to advertise. You're going to see the same thing. I don't think you're going to lose advertising. I think you're going to see it just the same way. If anything, they're going to find more ways to stick it into the action uh, of the games. <laughs> so uh, I don't think we're already starting to see too where advertisers are already going to these leagues. NBA this year has started putting advertising logos on certain teams' uniforms. Oh, no. Each team is agreeing to it, and it's a small logo to start. But you see it made. You see it in soccer leagues in Europe. So are we going to sell get, uh... so much advertising money? Are we going to get, uh, you know, logos like basically human NASCARs? Not as bad. Um, now, granted, if you go into some parts of the European game, they have a lot of logos on, and yes, it is kind of like NASCAR. But if you look at the bigger the bigger sports, like uh, the Premier League in England is a good one. Chevrolet, they are a big sponsor of Manchester United. They're the main sponsor on the jersey, but they also have an apparel sponsor, which is just the apparel logo. Uh, which is Adidas, and um, Chelsea is Yokohama Tires. I mean, and they do this. They sign these deals. Uh, 
Manchester United is in the middle of a 10-year deal with Chevrolet, and it's like some crazy, like, it's, I don't remember if it's $20 million a year or something like that for this advertising spot, and that's just where we're headed. So these advertisers will find other ways to get in. So Network Whatever way they find in, just to wrap this up. and How in the world to... did this happen? We just diatribe for 10 minutes on advertising <laughs> and network television. We're tying it back in because where they will never, as long as Vince McMahon is alive, where they will never get advertising is on the canvas of that ring. Agreed. <laughs> because New Japan does it. Yep. Uh, I remember but... Snickers did it with WCW. Correct. Um, obviously, UFC. Obviously. Does it. Uh, most boxing events do it. Uh, WWE does not. And a lot of independent promotions don't for a lot of reasons. And so most of the time, you're not going to get sponsors for that sort of stuff. But the Ring of Honor doesn't do it. Nope. They're big enough that they could. They could. Um, TNA, uh, GFW, whatever they're called now, or whatever they're going to be called in the next couple of months, uh, they don't do it. But I think a lot of that has to do because the fans have been... These companies and these fans have been conditioned. They follow the WWE model. So New Japan and CMLL and AAA, you see logos on the ring. In the U.S., you don't. And for the most part, I don't think you're going to for a very long time. I. But here's my question to you. Would you rather have a KFC logo printed on the canvas of the ring... Or would you rather have Shawn Michaels return as Colonel Sanders? I'm going to go with Canvas. <laughs> I'm going to go with Colonel Sanders only because Shawn Michaels would be the only person to pull it off where I'd believe it. I Didn't he do it? He did. Yeah. He did. And it's the most over Colonel Sanders has ever been. Now, I did want to bring up one more sp- sport. We really have to do like we'll do what we're actually supposed to be okay. doing. We'll talk about numeracy in one second. But have you ever heard of High Lie? Yes, I have heard. The sport of highlight? The sport of highlight. Yes. It's the fastest ball. It's the fastest sports ball. It goes like, hold on, I got it here. Uh, 300 kilometers per hour. Which is very fast. Um, highlight is essentially, if you went to elementary school in our day and age, we actually played a version of this that was much, much safer because we were much, much younger and much, much weaker. Basically, it's a thing. It it almost looks like a giant spoon yep. that you pick the ball up and then you hurl it across. And and it's like a hard ball. And high lie, the way it works, to my understanding, is when you throw it, it goes against the wall and it comes back. And the whole point is that it's almost like tennis in that the person you're going against has to then get it and hit it back. Not like that. I just hit the mic. <laughs> punch the microphone. Just punch the mic in fury and high lie. Uh, they throw it against the wall, and then the other person has to then get it. And if it goes past them, you get the point. Something like that. Something yeah. along those lines. There should definitely a be a bit... high lie gimmick in wrestling. It's like, my sport's a high lie, and I spoon the ball at you when I'm mad at you. That's Jinder Mahal's next gimmick at this rate. Because <laughs> he's gone so racist, I don't know if you can get away from it. Um, we'll get there in a second. So we really, what Let's was your point about, about high lie? Just that it's the just fast, that it exists. It exists. I didn't know it existed. If you watch it, I can't comprehend the rules. If you've just ever, from watching it, if you've ever, and it seen, would be a good wrestling. If gimmick. you've ever seen the movie Black Mass, came out last year with Johnny Depp. Uh, it was real life story about uh, Whitey Bulger from uh, Boston, who became 
one of, if not the biggest um, crime lord, as it were, in that area. And he was going to invest in the 1980s when it became people, 70s and 80s, when they thought it was going to be a big thing. He was going to invest in a high ally league. And he actually was in Florida where it was kind of based out of this old movement and was going to invest in this league and try and make a bunch of money and everything kind of collapsed around him. It was a, it's black mass is an interesting movie. Um, go read about Whitey Bulger. He's, and, it's and I unique... dare you, I dare you to spell high lie correctly without looking it up. <laughs> J A I A L A I. All right, Ryan, what's, what happened on no mercy? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I'd heard of high lie before you asked me if I'd heard of it. I've known about High Life for a long time. Um, I guess it's technically not a ball, it's a palata. This is the quality content you come to us for. Man, we went from one of the better episodes we've done last week to whatever this, this, this is. A, this is a good episode. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I'm enjoying myself immensely. If you're still when listening, you, when, you're you saying, say, when you say it as if you were... This, 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 this is a good episode. <laughs> I... No. Um, no Mercy... No mercy. I didn't want to sing anything resembling the theme song in Fear of Getting Sued. I mean, it's only two words. I think you'd be okay. Plus, we're promoting them. They'll be fine. Um, so, No Mercy had one pre-show match. You're welcome for the rub, Vince. Uh, <laughs> that's what he's looking for. Elias beats uh, Apollo Cruz. Remember Apollo Cruz? He was a guy. Apollo who? Um... The open of the show, Miz beats Jason Jordan. No big surprise. No big surprise. Finn Balor beats Bray Wyatt. No big surprise. In a man versus man match, which is still the weirdest spilling I've ever heard. Man to man. And Wyatt attacked Balor beforehand, which I thought, okay, this is a great way to get Balor some heat, or get uh, Wyatt some heat, have him win this match. And it doesn't make it... (laughs) Have him have have Bray Wyatt win a match in 2017? (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, that's correct. I thought of that too when I immediately thought that to my mind. That was my next thought. Um, Ambrose and Rollins defeat Cesaro, his teeth, and Sheamus. Ooh, my favorite match. Can we briefly discuss that Cesaro basically drilled his teeth up into his head? Yeah. So he takes a catapult into the buckle, and he does like the old slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter bump where he hits the buckle or the the, the turn post. post flies over the buckle hits the turn post with his head except he comes down teeth first and right as if you, he's trying to take a bite out of this metal post which it wasn't obviously his intention no. when you watch it in slow-mo you can see he goes up in the air and right as he's about to take the bump he catches the buckle and it, it the momentum swings his head down a lot faster than he was originally planning and it drove his two front teeth up, up into his gums about three or four millimeters. Yes, four millimeters is what they said. So he's going a lot, to a lot need, of metric system on the podcast today. He's gonna need surgery. Yes, he's. I don't know what they're doing. I think allegedly, they're gonna try to pull him back down. Allegedly, they said they already pulled them down, but he's done damage. You got to get a root canal then. So he's gonna have to have orthopedic surgery. Did I say that right? Orthopedic. Orthodontic. Orthodontic. Orthopedic is children. Orthopedic is legs in your bones that's the one i'm thinking of like um pediatric pediatric that's the one i'm not good at medical terms um orthodontic or latin (laughs) whatever um so he's gonna need surgery but ambrose and rollins retain 
Uh, what this does for Sheamus, we will see, because now Sheamus is without a tag team partner. Yeah. Um, I don't know how long that puts you out, though. A week? I, I have to imagine it's going to put him out for at least a few weeks. Uh, probably no, a month Not in or WWE so. time. Well, in WWE time, he's probably out till the Rumble. Hey, pal. <laughs> how's, how, how's the arm? <laughs> that is an obscure reference if you're not a, like a super smark who knows where you're going with I that. am a super I'm the king of the smarks, okay? That's your new gimmick. You're the king of the smarks. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alexa Bliss defeats Bailey, Emma, Nia Jax, and Sasha Banks. I assumed that Sasha or Bailey was going to go over. I was wrong. Uh, Alexa Bliss retains. Roman Reigns beats John Cena. No huge su- surprise. We got a little bit of John Cena's leaving feels. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> oh, a little bit. They Thank tried to you. hammer it home. Thank you, Cena. He's patting the video screen. He's never going to see it again. He's talking to little kids up front. This is the last time you'll ever see me. He's taking off his respect. He goes, he comes back. He, he salutes. Kiss, he kissed Michelle McCool. <laughs> he gets, he left his wristbands neatly folded in the center of the ring. That last part might not be true. And his hat, which he got back out of the crowd. Um, anyways, Reigns beats Cena. Reigns gets booed. Cena gets cheered. Reigns kicks out of three. Four. Four. He got hit with three attitude adjustments, one super AA. And one double AA. So one regular, one off the ropes, and, and then, then one, two back to back. Yeah, one double one, and kicked out of all that. Wins with one Superman, Superman punch, punch and a spear. spear. First try. John Cena, for the first time in his career, has been buried. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, for the first time since he was, I don't a know rookie. if you can get buried and then give get a, a six minute exit. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Roman Reigns is not doing well. Um, well, they certainly uh, they certainly showed their hand. Well, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it more after you've finished the card. But Enzo Amore in the surprise of the night beats Neville on a low blow. Yep. Which the fans were a little confused about, but between the Reigns and Cena match and the Lesnar and Strowman match, they were either sitting on their hands or at the bathroom or whatever the case might be. Uh, nobody cares about the cruiserweights. A chant of "This is boring." <laughs> at one point. Which I don't ever like chanting at wrestlers um, who are actually giving it a shot. Uh, if you chant "This is boring" at full-time wrestlers and you're at a wrestling show, you're a jerk. Yep. <laughs> because the match can be awful, and you can boo the quality of the match if, like, they're just terrible or you see somebody. Oh, he- I can give you a story about that. it in. I can give you a story about that if you want, real quick. Can I? Can I finish my rant? Sure. Um, these two guys were actually trying and were just. The cruiserweights have been so poorly managed and booked so terribly. Neville is legitimately a really good in-ring competitor. He's gotten phenomenally better on the mic. This character is fantastic. And I'm not saying they're wrong because I disagree with them. I'm saying they're wrong because it's not fair to the wrestlers. And I think a lot of that... that boring. The match was not terrible. The... Enzo, I believe, only hit a couple moves. One of them was that uh, DDT, jumping DDG, I guess you call it. Which looked good. It looked great. Yeah, they they did a decent match. Like, it wasn't a five-star match, but for WWE with a limited time they were going to have, it wasn't bad. They were just, they were, I, I think a lot of the this is boring was to WWE yeah. as you didn't make me care about this, which is correct. 
They did a terrible job making us care about it. They did nothing but bury Enzo Amore for the past three weeks. So now, and Neville was only on Raw once the past three weeks, really. Mm-hmm. And now what they've done is by having this match go the way it did, now you have a situation where the the belt is cheapened because you had somebody who was on top of the world, and th- there weren't, like, back and forth. Not necessarily 50-50 booking, but you didn't have, like, Cena and Reigns where both of them were trying to lay in their best shots. This one, Enzo looked awful the last three weeks. He was put down every chance he got. Well, burying a guy and then making him champion works so well with gender. We might as well do it with everyone. I feel like gender was different motives, though. <laughs> um, turning Enzo made a lot of sense. I agree with what they did on Raw. But they're I, not really turning him. He's kind of the same character. Now he's, he's doing just, the sing-along. He's just more he's of a Slapping douche. high fives with kids. He should start slapping high fives only with what he feels are attractive women. And then that will be it. Listen, okay, Enzo go Amore, on. Go on with your story that okay. you were going to tell me. Um, because so, that's why people are really here, not so, to hear me blather on. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it, if you're going to go to a wrestling show just to heckle, don't go. Go do something else. Save your money. Save your time. It's going to be better for you, it's and just, it's going to be better for everyone there. It's like, why would, you, why. why would you go to a comedy show just to give crap to the comedian? Yeah, Here's why. I was at a show. This was Southern Virginia. I was in the opening match, the first match, and it was kind. It wasn't really like my. It wasn't my first time working for this company, but it was, the company was giving me a chance, and it was my job to really go above and beyond what they expected, get the crowd route up and everything. And we did. We did a. We did an okay job. We didn't do. You know, we didn't have the greatest match ever or anything like that. But we did a good job waking up the crowd and having a good solid first match on the show. But there was one guy who was chanting boring during it. Okay. So I walked back through the curtain, and the promoter goes, "They're chanting boring out there," as if to say, "You didn't do your job." You know, I'm disappointed in you. Um probably not going to bring you back uh luckily that wasn't the case but that's at the time i didn't know you know so and i had driven i don't know four hours to get there four and a half hours and you know put a lot of effort into this and just went out there and and tried my hardest and i get this boring chant okay so not a good experience but me and the promoter that's the last conversation we have that night so we leave on this really bad sour note Come to find out, that guy chants boring during every match, including the match with the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> the whole night. Just chanting boring, boring, boring. So it comes out that, you know, oh, this was just a bad fan. But the impression was still made, and and kind of the negativity was still made. So if you go and you heckle just because you think that you're funny... Sometimes it actually does hurt the guys that are performing in the ring from a business standpoint. And we're not necessarily... I, I wouldn't say that what you're saying is it, don't go if you're going to, you know, do the kind of the the smarky chance of like the, you know, do the, the uh, near fall, two count, go the too sweet. 
that that stuff's fine. That stuff's fine. I'm talking being deliberately disrespectful because you're not think. You know, if you're sitting there for three hours chanting boring, you're not really bored. You're having a good time. But what you're doing is you're ruining the show. You're ruining not the show. only for the wrestlers who are trying to make their living, you're also ruining the show for everybody around you. I've been next to those fans before. It's it's really aggravating. Yeah. Because the one of the best things about a wrestling show is if the performers can get you can bring you into it. And with independence if you're not used to going to independent shows, it's a little bit of a system shock if you've been to like WWE shows or NXT shows, things like that. If you go to a true independent show, things things like ACW, BCW, uh, Rampage, 302, those types of shows where you know, you're not talking about big national stars most of the time that are in there. You're talking about regional, local performers that are really going in and they're doing it because they love it and they're probably not making much money. No. <laughs> But to continue trying to make money, they need to go out and do their best. And a lot of times they do. And if somebody's phoning it in and you can see it, like if I'm not going to name names, uh, but if you see somebody who's in there and they're clearly, you know, an older guy just trying to make a paycheck, I can understand giving him some grief for it. Yeah. But just bear in mind what you're doing is as a fan who's been next to people around people like that before takes you out of the show and as soon as you're out of the show what's the point you wouldn't go to a movie and just sit the whole two two and a half hours and just chant boring or anything just something like that why would you do that at a wrestling show you wouldn't go to like a little local you know like rock show or something and just do that no you have a good time because you're not you're not witnessing the biggest rock stars they might not play their instruments perfectly but you know you're there enjoy it or leave because there's other people there trying to enjoy it. Yeah, it's it's not fair to anyone involved. And, you know, you hear a lot of people complain about, oh, well, they're making it about themselves. I have grief with the big shows, like the big WWE shows, where fans do a lot to make it about themselves. Things like the beach balls and yeah. that sort of stuff. But when you're chanting boring, when you're giving grief to guys who are out there, they're trying to do their best. If you can't get into the show, that's fine. Don't ruin it for everybody else. The best experiences at wrestling shows I've ever had were the ones I could really get into it. The last ACW show was one I really enjoyed because even though I came in two and a half matches in, by the time we got through traffic and got there, it was a great time because we were able to sit there and we'd chant and everybody was having a good time. And, you know, the kids were really funny, some of their reactions to things, and you can really enjoy it. So if you're going to heckle and your whole point is you're going to go and you're just going to go be the center of attention, please go somewhere else. It's not worth it. Nobody wants you there. No. Um, last match for No Mercy. Lesnar versus Strowman. Uh, not the greatest match, which we expected was going to be the case. Strowman dominating most of the match. I thought they... A little sloppy, but I thought they told a good story. I think it was very similar to the layout of the Samoa Joe match from a couple months back. Mm-hmm. Whereas they just kind of went in, did their big moves, repeat, rinse, you know, repeat, and uh, go home with one... F5. So. Well, it was one F5 after a number of German suplexes, which. True. For the first time, I think the German suplex did what it was supposed to do. Most of the time, you do it in matches, and you look back at the Dean Ambrose match at WrestleMania, was that 2016? Uh, the one in Dallas, uh, 32. Mm-hmm. And they. He kept throwing Ambrose, but Ambrose would come back. 
And it's like, well, no, in actuality, what this should do, and this is me being a smart, you should be worn down by this. Yeah, it should be like a health bar going down every time. And we saw that from from Strowman. The first couple didn't really impact him. Every single one, he got up slower. And that is good psychology Mm -hmm. because it makes sense. And like I said, this match was a, a little sloppy here and there, but... For the most part, they did exactly what they needed to do. It was a spectacle. And Lesnar beating Strowman didn't seem as unrealistic by the end of the match because of the way he wore down. He survived the early onslaught. And the story is he survives the initial wave and then slowly works his way back in. And by the end of it, he's just worn down Strowman to the point where Strowman just cannot kick out. And Strowman... At the end of that match, leaning up against the announcer's table, just worn out, can't even stand up, perfect. Mm -hmm. Picture perfect. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. I don't disagree with beating Strowman clean, just because I think it takes a little bit away from him. However, Strowman seems to be the one guy, since they put him on his own outside of the Wyatt family that WWE has managed for long term, to book properly. Because they've done this right. What did they do the next night? He came out and destroyed Kurt Hawkins. And then had a longer than necessary, but beatdown of Dean Ambrose. Ambrose. Now that's going to lead to him going against Seth Rollins next week. And came out and beat up Enzo. Yes. (laughs) So he he got Well, hang on, no, Enzo wasn't this week. Yeah, it was it was on Monday. It was right before all the cruiserweights uh, attacked him. No, that was Neville. But Strowman came out also, right? No, that I'm was two. Sure. That was before No Mercy. He came out and beat up Enzo before No Mercy, and that's when Neville came out and picked the bones. Okay, maybe I'm maybe I'm mixing up. You're dates. thinking two weeks ago. Okay, this past um, week it was uh, they, all the cruiserweights were in the main event segment and. All of them came out and uh, stayed on stage. And a few of them talked out against Enzo, essentially. But then Neville comes out. And Neville looks like he'd been through an all-night rager mm-hmm. and hadn't slept in two days, which was perfect because what he was trying to get across. And then proceeded to go down and beat up and pull in the double turn of Enzo is now heel, which we saw developing throughout the night. Mm-hmm. And then Neville is now face hitting the red arrow and he's, you know, king of the cruiserweights, but he's, you know, he's going to be the good guy going against Enzo's heel. It's it's definitely made 205 Live worth watching again for a little bit. I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but what I will say <laughs> about No Mercy... They made me watch all of 205 Live. No. no. Um, what I will say is... Um, we should just wrap from, up soon. just Yeah, just from the hype standpoint... Um, no mercy. The big matches, I don't think lived quite up to the hype. The two big matches, but I think everything else exceeded the hype. I agree. I th- I and think I think the best match on the show was the tag team championship match. Tag team championship match was good. Jordan and Miz was kind of what you expected it would be, although they did a nice job for what it was. They did a solid job. Balor and Wyatt wasn't terrible. Better than better than better than man to man would make yeah. you think. Um, and even the women's match, actually, I thought they did I a really it was nice booked job. Well, I thought Nia was booked well in that. So, yeah, I thought they were going a little too quick, too early, but they ended up pacing it very well. I thought they did a nice job. Yeah. Nia Jax's power bomb spot 
off the uh, apron. It looked Very like stiff. she broke herself in half almost. Oh, well. She did not land. She would have had wor- she worse didn't... bump of the night if it weren't for Roman Reigns spearing John Cena and landing on his head on the next announce table. And yeah. cr- crunching up like an accordion. A couple of tough spots. Um, we got, uh, real quick, SmackDown, we got Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn for the first time ever on SmackDown Live. <laughs> when for did, like remember, the thousandth remember, time. Remember when they said that they weren't ever going to wrestle again? Battleground 2016. You know how many matches they've wrestled on TV since then? Just in no, singles matches? No, because it's, it's a countless amount. The, when when fans are chanting fight forever, you don't have to take it seriously, WWE. Um, yeah, so we have Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. And uh, Shane, what I love about this is Owens goes too far with the beatdown on, on Zayn. And Shane shows up as if he's just arrived to the arena two minutes before the show goes off the air, man. Which is what they were selling. He showed up the second to last segment. If I got to work five minutes before it closed, I would be fired. It would be real interesting in your line of work. Mind you, I'm not the boss's son. (laughs) Well, you get certain perks when you're the boss's son. But I I just love that. Like, why show up to work at all? Because you need to run into Sami Zayn's throat first. That's true. That was good. Um, I thought I actually thought Shane actually hurt himself yeah, because I, of the way he ran into that chair with Zane stuck in the chair and he ran right in the legs of it. It was a good spot. I liked it, and I'm also excited for uh, Usos' new day inside Hell in a Cell. Yeah, they worst kept secret because they had already been promoting it. Yeah, uh, but very nice to see. And uh, we also know Oscar is going to debut at TLC. Yeah, so Oscar uh, is immediately going for the championship. Or, uh, I assume not, because it seems like Mickey James is now in the Raw women's. Yeah, I think she's just kind of like a holdover, but uh, we'll see. I can only assume. They did a decent job with their <laughs> promo, can, making her seem important. If you can save the Asuka thing for WrestleMania, that'd be cool. I think they should do that. I think putting her in a championship match immediately would be a really stupid idea. Yeah. I think it would be a great idea to have... What's a good way to get the rest of the Raw women's division some time? Have that... Asuka basically going through all of them. Just do the just do the typical old heel, you know, Alexa Bliss comes out and goes, Oh, you can't just show up and get a title shot. You start at the bottom of the ladder. You have to and then, you know, just go through the whole division and that that'll take you to WrestleMania. Now the drawback to that idea is that when she's gone through the whole division, what do you do with the first championship that's not against the whoever the former champion was? I don't know. How many fatal four ways and fatal five ways are we gonna have? Because an it infinite amount like, until they merge the women's divisions on one show. They really, really need... I don't know. Didn't we just have a 32-woman uh, tournament? Yeah, wouldn't it be nice? Except for, I think NXT's women's division is deeper than Raw and SmackDown in total. At this point. Uh, it definitely is because NXT keeps trotting out a new woman every week. Yeah. And Raw and SmackDown can't seem to put out the ones they already have. Well, Candice was in it. Well, Candice was in it. Um... <laughs> All right, so uh, that uh, that should about do it. We've uh, in our typical routine, we've gone past time. But where are we at? One fifteen. Oh, let's get off. <laughs> um, I know that you are wrestling tomorrow night. Please oh, promote that yeah, yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe we should do a thirty-second audio commercial for it afterwards. But anyway, maybe we should, but I don't think we're going to. <laughs> I forgot the fact that we didn't talk about gender was a racist. Jinder was a racist and is going to get put down, I hope, at uh, 
at Hell in a Cell because I'm kind of over the gender experiment at this point. I loved it at first, and I don't like that they were like, well, you all are racist, but now I'm going to make fun of Asians. I went off the ride. Anyway, <laughs> tomorrow night, that would be Friday, September 29th. I, Lee Brando, will be live and in the flesh, baby, at, baby. again, Thunderlips, not Adam Cole. I don't care. <laughs> at, at Adrenaline Championship Wrestling um, in Denton, Maryland, Denton Volunteer Fire Hall. 7.30 bell time, 7 p.m. door time. Get there early. They've got snacks. They've got a bar. You can buy booze. Huh? They have wonderful concession prices, by the way. Real... It's the only time you go to independent, good independent wrestling, you can get a bottle of water for a dollar. <laughs> or a bottle of beer. Ryan doesn't drink. but you. Can. I don't drink. So um, I'm not saying you should, but you can if you want to. Uh, Sanjay Dutt will be there. Yes, Sanjay in, Dutt. In live action. Sanjay, Sanjay Dutt is on the card. Yep. Uh, I will be on the card. Uh, what more do you really need? It's going to be a great show. Well, we know that uh, the main event will be the heavyweight championship match between Vic Ramon, longtime or, or ACW as I heavyweight say it, champion. Vic Ramon. Yeah, you could say it that way. I think uh, I've heard that chanted a few times. Um, and uh, he will be taking on longtime ACW standout, or uh, would he be considered an ACW original? I'm not sure. Unfortunately, I don't have the history of the promotion down, but he's been in ACW for a very long time. Doyle Day getting an opportunity at the ACW uh, Heavyweight Championship. Oh, not to mention the fact we're going to have uh, Bully Club will be defending their tag team championships against Blackout, which should be a good match. I'm interested to see the dynamic between those two teams. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, And the light heavyweight championship, a two out of three falls match between the champion, Louis G. Rich, who lost his championship and then was able to regain it right afterwards at the last show against the uh, artist formerly known as Joe Kerr. Uh, listed, I, I think he's listed as Rob now, but it's definitely Robbie Radke. Or is it? Maybe. You'll have to come there to find out. That's true. Ryan will be there. I will be there. I'll be front row with a camera. So uh, I can get some good pictures. So yep. check out the Facebook page. Uh, later this weekend, I'll have some photos up. Check out the show, which I posted the link for that earlier today. So you can find that uh, earlier today, Thursday, the 28th of September. And then uh, next weekend, October 7th, I'll be in Virginia. And we'll talk about that more next week. You should still promote that really quick. Well, it'll, it's Classic Pro Wrestling. Look up Classic Pro Wrestling on Facebook, Twitter, um, or just follow me, and I'll be sending links to the page. Tolly and Arn are going to be on the show. What more do you need? Tolly and Arn. Yeah, that's going to be good. And J.J. Dillon. And J.J. Dillon. Um, surprise appearance by Ric Flair. We don't know that. I'm not promoting that. That's I, not a thing. <laughs> that is not a thing. Uh, but J.J. Dillon and Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard will be there. That is that is for sure confirmed. And uh, that's pretty fabulous, if you ask me. So, uh, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, stay tuned for the plugs. Do you have any last-minute things to tell the audience? And one thing to take them home. No. All right, stay tuned for the plugs. We'll see you next week. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash barricade show. Follow us on Twitter at barricade show. You can listen to the show each and every week 
at soundcloud.com slash barricade show or search for Over the Barricade Podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Follow Lee Brando on Snapchat, Twitter, and Instagram at Lee Brando underscore and send him a friend request on Facebook. Just search for Lee Brando. And don't forget you can send us an email over the barricade podcast at gmail.com. Send in your suggestions. We'll see you next week.